So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. I don't know which it is, whether it's bees or wasps, but one of them, when they have an intruder... Right. They will all gather around and wave their wings in such a pattern that it effectively microwaves the intruder. <laughs> really? Yeah. Microwaves? Are these killer bees with laser no. guns? No. Smashing Security, Episode 361, Wireless Charging Woe, AI Romance Apps, and Ransomware Revisited, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 361. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, this week we're joined by a returning guest, someone who's been on the show many times before. Let our gorgeous listeners know who it is. <laughs> this week we are joined by Paul Ducklin. Hello, everybody. Hello, Duck. <laughs> Welcome, Duck. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. You never quite know what Graham's going to say. But you know he's going to say something. <laughs> yep. Now we have an action-packed show, so I suggest we get going. So let's first thank this week's wonderful sponsors, Collide, BlackBerry, and Vanta. It's their support that helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Well, if you think you're bready, I'm going to be talking about toasting things. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I think, oh, I've just worked it out. I think I think it's what passes for a pun. Okay, not getting it still. What about you, Duck? <laughs> I'm going to look at what happened since you talked about Lockbit last week and the issue of decryptors. Is it worth it? Can it help? Does it work? Should we strive for it? Great, and I will be uh, tiptoeing into... A potentially brand new AI dating frontier. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, we all get up in the mornings if we're lucky. Um, <laughs> hopefully, uh, you get up, you wake up, you have some breakfast. Big fan of toast, me. I, I don't know what your peculiar choice of uh well what do you slather on your toast anything in particular oh i like a bit of marmalade 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 is just jam under another name isn't well, it <laughs> yeah but it's delicious i like shredless marmalade 
which I was—I I always used to think marmalade had those bits in it. But when I discovered you can have marmalade without the bits, I was much, much happier. I'm a big fan of Marmite. Ugh. Marmite's pretty good. No, it's, pre- it's pretty good. Peanut butter? Um, mm. Certainly not. So I've sorted out my toast. Then I pick up my phone. Yeah, don't confuse them. Like if you slap your marmalade against your ear, you're, no. you're going to be in trouble, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> Also, if you put your phone in the toaster, that's no good either. You could fry in all the electronics. So either of you have uh, wireless chargers? Maybe nope. at your home, in your car, no. anything like that? Nope. Oh, I do. My car's 12 years old, and uh, no, none of the house. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Graham set us up, and we dropped him in it. <laughs> do you have wireless chargers? Nope. <laughs> do you go on? Oh. <laughs> it's quite a handy thing, I think, because... Um, oh, you're often several metres away from a PowerPoint. Well, no, well, let, me explain why, <laughs> let me explain what my issue is, Duck, with wired charging. I mean, in some ways it's great because you can find your phone under the rubble on your desk, right, or the detritus which is there. You can just follow the lead and eventually find your phone. That's why I don't have wireless earphones, for instance. I'd just be losing my earphones all the time. So I like them being on a wire. However, with a phone, you've got that little twiddly, little irritating little, uh, it's a lightning cable or something, or USB, you know, and it's quite often the bit which goes wrong because the wire gets bent or the connection gets a bit flaky and all the rest of it. So I quite like the idea of wirelessly charging my phone, particularly overnight, because so I, don't, I don't have to remember to plug it in. I just dump it there and it's fantastic and it's happy. How many, how many wireless uh, charge locations do you have in your house? Uh, I think I have two. Okay. Is that all right with you? Missing a trick because I've probably got 30 socket outlets where I can plug in a charger. <laughs> so I'm way ahead of you there, Graham. So these chargers, um, the technology is called, I think it's pronounced Qi. Yes. Q-I. Not as in the television quiz show hosted by Sandy Toxpeak. No, no, that's right. Uh, QI is also, of course, a fabulous word to use in Scrabble, particularly if you get the Q on a, yes. a triple, triple word. a triple word or a triple mm-hmm. letter, even because especially if you go two ways, it's quite quite a handy one that you can make a lot of points. Um, Not as good as Quajibo. <laughs> well. <laughs> A board, a board in what was it? A board in ape or something? Well, there was that virus, wasn't there? The Melissa virus, which referenced Quajibo, which was a Bart Simpson thing from the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Well, that's dated us, hasn't it? Anyway, so you have these Qi wireless chargers around the place, and there's a whole bunch of vendors these days making them. Well, we don't. You do. Well, you all right, all right. We, but, we but folks yeah. do. Many people do, Carl, but not. Not people like you guys. No, right? no, we we worship efficiency. You see, so we like the idea well, that you know just... you just you just <laughs> duck, duck. Do you have a wireless phone? How do you mean a wireless phone? A phone, a phone which you don't have to plug in <laughs> well, to phone someone up on. The telecommunications industry in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland is discontinuing landlines, <laughs> so you don't have a choice. You just got to go with the flow. <laughs> Right. Okay. So then, and I do have wireless headphones because I walk away from my desk and I don't want to yank my computer off onto the floor. But wireless charging's not for me. Okay. But we'll let you get there (laughs) eventually, Graham. Don't worry. All right. Carry on. Anyway, some boffins, some boffins have been researching ways in which you can attack smartphones, and what they've discovered 
is there's a new way of attacking smartphones. It's not phishing, it's not a malware attack. It's a kind of denial of service attack, if you like. And it involves these wireless chargers. And they have called oh. this technique of attacking smartphones Vault Schema. It's not uh, Ben Gurion University of the Negev, is it? Those guys. It's not on this. You know, I really, when I saw the headlines at first, I thought it would be yeah. them because those guys they do great. are always coming up. <laughs> Stan Smitter and Lan Tenor and all that. They get the best names <laughs> as well as cool research. So it's not those guys. They do, they do really cool things. Now, this is a bunch of, I think they're Chinese researchers who've come up with this. Volt Schema launches a wireless power toasting attack against smartphones potentially damaging charged smartphones through overcharging and overheating them. and Not overcharging financially, but like making it boil. No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to, and, and it does more than that. So I'm, I'm going to explain what they do and how this works. Uh, and okay. you can tell me how plausible you think this is as an attack vector, okay? They have tested nine different top-selling commercial off-the-shelf wireless chargers made by people like Anchor, uh, who produce loads of these things. You know, the sort of thing you can pick up on Amazon for maybe about £20. So when you say off the shelf, you yeah, mean yeah. not off the shelf through your mailbox? Well, you, all right, okay. <laughs> all right, yeah, but you could also go down... All right, you could also go down your local electronic shop and probably buy these kind of things as well. So normally, this is how wireless charging works, right? You've got your outlet, your wall outlet, which is connected to the charging device, and that is sending... AC current, right? Alternating current down the wire to that. Inside the charger, there's some sort of components and technology which turns the AC power into DC power. So we've gone from AC to DC. We've now got direct current. That's the kind of power that your devices use. Am I correct so far? Because I'm not really in the electronics whiz. Pills, pills, Graham. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. That was a rock and roll pump. <laughs> This is an ACDC thing, is it? it is. All right. So, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I need to pay more attention. Okay, so I'm listening. The charger listening. uses the DC power to create an mm. electromagnetic field. Fun. It uses that to wirelessly transfer energy to your phone. All right. Now, these boffins have discovered in their Volt schema attack that, of course, there is noise in power lines. So the power lines from your walls the power signal isn't always entirely smooth. There are tiny, super-fast fluctuations, electromagnetic interference or noise, if you like. And what Volt Schema does is it performs an attack by intentionally making the noise coming from the power supply much bigger and in specific patterns. This is like bees or like wasps when they kind of microwave It's exactly someone. like bees, Crow. Yes. What they've done is they've taken a wasp's nest and they've shoved it down a wire. When I don't know which it is, whether it's bees or wasps, but one of them, when they have an intruder, right. they will all gather around and wave their wings in such a pattern that it effectively microwaves the intruder. <laughs> really? Yeah. Microwaves? Well, that's what the term. That's the term I remember. I will do some googling. Listeners, are these killer bees me. with laser no, guns or something? No. What are you talking? What? Okay, will you show your ignorance? I will put a link in the show notes. Duck, have you heard about this? You've lived in some crazy parts of the world. Uh, you get bees all around the globe. I, I can imagine <laughs> it. I mean, insects. Didn't I just read about an insect that can make a noise as loud as a gunshot? 
there are surprising things out there, Graham. Right. Okay. All right. Let's okay. let's well, to- let's carry on toasting. All right. Okay. So Volt Schema makes the noise coming from the power supply much bigger, right? Uses specific patterns. And this apparently fools the charger. The charger misinterprets the manipulated noise coming down the power signal as instructions. And these allow the charger to do a number of things. So it will, for instance, send very strong charging signals that can damage your phone by overcharging it or going to excess. They can even, they said, change how the charger communicates with your phone by sending voice commands, is what they say. Wow. Now, (laughs) this begins to sound completely bonkers, right? Mm. They claim it can send inaudible, by the human ear at least, voice commands to your Siri or your Android Google Assistant. They also say, as I said, they can overcharge or overheat your devices and they can hurt other valuable items as well, which might be in the vicinity or sitting on top of the charger. Like toasters, like battery-operated toasters. (laughs) So if, for instance, you were to leave your car key fob on the charging pad... Do you do that? Well, no, I don't, but if you did, and sometimes people put these charging points into their desks, it's just like a flat desk, and they just plonk their phone on their desk in a particular place to charge it. Yeah, you get them on the upper deck of some of the Oxford Bus Company buses. That's oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where you sit to work, they have a USB charger, and they have a the chi thing uh-huh. in the middle of the desk, a little coil sitting there, so you can just stick your phone down and charge up while you're coming in from the station into town. I had a car which had a wireless pad in it as well, which is somewhere where you would naturally put your key fob, for instance. And they found that the key fobs couldn't just be sort of ordered to overheat, but in one case detonated, and there was an explosion as a result. A paperclip, they managed to increase the temperature of a paperclip to 280 degrees Celsius, so over 500 degrees Fahrenheit, (laughs) which then could actually burn paper and documents. So if you had important documents lying around, SSD cards, USB drives, again, suffered permanent data loss as a result of these kind of attacks. Credit cards, passports with NFC chips, uh, magnetic stripes got wiped, all because this Volt schema attack was able to fool the charger into carrying on charging and indeed tell the phone not to cut off. And not to say, oh, I've, I've had enough, thank you. It could actually fool it into thinking, no, just keep on going until they get hotter and hotter and hotter. Is, is this in the wild? Is this in the wild? No, it's not. It's not as far as we know in right. the wild. These boffins have exactly. done it. It's just like those guys at Ben Gurion University in Israel who are always finding these crazy attacks, which are completely theoretical. This is as well. But it does appear to affect a lot of popular wireless chargers the researchers have reached out to the manufacturers with suggestions on how these kind of systems could be better protected in the future but they say that there's cost implications of implementing their mitigations and of course these devices they they sell dirt cheap and also if you've already got one so i've got two of these in my home already am i really likely to go and you know get a new version of them it's not like i can patch them over the internet yeah, why, why not keep a fire hazard in the house i agree well you've got well, a toaster already that's dangerous enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that has an on off switch right i'm presuming yeah. these things are like on all the time they're plugged in all the time and constantly waiting for a phone to land on them so they can do their magic 
did they say which phones were vulnerable? Because it sounds as though if the phone could agree to overcharge itself and overdo its battery via this Qi charging, then surely those phones would have a similar problem with today's USB chargers, some of which can deliver power in excess of 100 watts. Well, it seems that they did tests on the iPhone SE, the Pixel 3, uh, a number of other manufacturers as well. So they did it on a whole bunch of devices where they were able to do it. Maybe, I don't know if it was through this this injecting of voice commands. They were saying they could control voice assistants inside the smartphones. Yeah, I kind of seems... think you could do... I kind of think that... I don't... It doesn't seem far-fetched to me. I have no idea how you'd do it, but it... I, well, I maybe... guess you make you make sounds that maybe have some ultrasonics in them that the, the microphone yeah. picks up that you can't hear that exactly. are misinterpreted. Mm. There's an easy fix for that, which you should apply anyway, and that is, please, everybody... Don't, no matter how convenient it is, leave Siri or the voice assistant enabled at the lock screen. It's meant to be a lock screen, not a very partial lock screen. The less you have on your lock screen, the safer your phone is. There's been a litany of bugs over the years of things that went wrong at the lock screen because like, something's not really locked if it can actually wake up at the sound of a single word. Hang on. Carol has sent me a message. <laughs> she says in a she's she's done a screenshot. National Geographic from National Geographic. Oh, excellent! Apparently, there's something called Hot Bee Balls. Is the title <laughs> of this article? Apparently, in an, in a battle with Asian giant hornets, Japanese honeybeans, not beans, bees, bees. <laughs> <laughs> they turn up the heat by swarming around hornets and cooking them to death. Thank you very much. Scientists have found a genetic switch in the honeybees' brains that turns on during the attacks. Thank you very much. Well, I can see why you've mentioned this in this piece, Rob. There's definitely a link. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Duck, what have you got for us this week? Well, I thought that it might be intriguing, even though you covered the beginning of this saga last week, um, to revisit the whole ransomware situation, not least because of the what you might call the denouement, or maybe it's not the denouement, maybe it's the, the ongoing story of the Lockbit takedown, and also yeah. recent news about the Ricida ransomware decrypt it yourself because the crooks made a programming blunder. You know, how do all these things, such as freebie decryptors, how do they really play out in the in the ransomware world? Is it something we should be keen on trying? Can they work? And what happens next? So anyone who wasn't listening last week, just to quickly recap. Go listen to the show. Bit. Well, <laughs> yeah, shame on them, frankly. No, they could just go back a week. It's not just a big go, deal. All right. But anyway, so uh, the, the, the law enforcement authorities, they took over the Lockbit infrastructure. They grabbed a whole load of decryption keys. They reckon they can unlock anyone's Lockbit encrypted files for free rather than you have to pay the ransom, right? And But since then, Lockbit appears to have made a bit of a comeback. That's and correct. <laughs> Ooh, I want to hear all about it because I've not been following this at all. Well, apparently, 
the way the stories unfolded from law enforcement, they were able to break into about three dozen servers. They got hold of details of just over 14,000. I don't know whether they were email or messaging accounts related to so-called affiliates. They claim to have got 1,000 decryption keys or pre-built decryption programs with the keys built in that people would normally have to negotiate and pay for. They yeah. also claimed they'd frozen uh, 200 cryptocurrency accounts. As I wrote on my website, we're not quite clear what that means. I think if they'd actually seized wallets that they could get money out of, they would have been sure to say that. So whether they just block listed the names of some Bitcoin addresses, whether they did something with cryptocurrency exchanges, that was unclear. And um, they promised a big reveal, didn't they, Graham, the uh, yes. law enforcement? They said, hey, you know how they do the countdown <laughs> <laughs> on the page? So they, they, they because they had access to, the, to some of the dark web pages, which is quite compelling evidence, because obviously if you take down their public domain names, the Onion sites, the stuff on the dark web still remains. That's harder to find. But in this case, mm. they were defaced, and they didn't just put seized by law enforcement. It had all the little windows saying, hey, countdown to reveal, countdown to reveal. But mm -hmm. what they were going to reveal was not data that, that had been stolen by the crooks. It was stuff about the crooks themselves. Yes. Unfortunately, they... Well, we don't know what really happened, but they promised they were going to dox the leader of it, who locked bits up, supposedly yep. the big cheese. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then at the end, they just put up a cat picture, and there was one line yeah. in there that said, uh, lock bits up is now cooperating with law enforcement, as though, well, we, we, you know, we, we're hoping to get something out of this person. And of course, as often happens in this case, you've taken down the servers. If somebody knows how to set up one on a dark web servers, they can probably do it again. And that's what happened. And on the 24th of February, 2024, a person claiming to be this lock bits up person came back with a 2800 word essay. Well, essay, it was quite a weird rambling story about oh how it all went wrong but they it really i'm actually cleverer than i sound and it was a bit the lady doth protest too much wasn't it it, it he was thinks yes, it was, yes. That was exactly what i thought and uh, <laughs> and and i'm glad you got the shakespeare in because i think we need a little bit of that every time <laughs> what i did what i did find intriguing in there is I hadn't heard this term before, but this seems to be the new way of repitching ransomware is basically, and I'm assuming it's a guy, he describes his business as post-paid pen testing. How do you <laughs> like that? And he's saying, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to be a bit stricter about who I take on. So if you want to be an affiliate, you have to prove that you are pen testers who work on a post-paid basis. So that's Send me your passport so I can identify you perfectly. That's the yeah. that's the legitimization of hey, it's just a service. And like if you pay the money like you would to a regular pen tester, then you just you know you just do the legal agreement afterwards, not before. Uh, one fascinating part of this twenty-eight hundred word ramble was. Actually, they only got in because I got lazy. Now they've re-energized me. I'm going to be fine. And yes, the rumors you may have heard about how the the FBI, etc., broke in are true. I was hit by a remote code execution bug in PHP that was patched on the 3rd of August 
2023. And then there's this long scram says the lady doth protest too much, methinks, which going, well, this could have caught out anybody who didn't patch. You're thinking, yeah, but last August is quite a long time ago. That's a long time, even for me. And know? to me, a big thing at the end was trying to reinforce this idea that the FBI claim that they had retrieved evidence from the servers that people who'd paid the money to suppress their data leaks nevertheless had their data retained on the servers. Yes. Now, if, that's, if that's true, that's very good news for all of those good guys because it completely undermines the main reason most people pay like when you pay for the decryption key you know whether the person is being how can i say it's truthful the right word you try the decryptor either it works or it doesn't and it's sink or swim and you know whether you've got the real decryption key but paying for the negative you never know are they going to keep the data has someone else already got it so the lockbit ramble was basically no 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 that's all that's all lies they didn't get any data there's no evidence that we've been keeping data that we claimed we delete in return for the payment so we haven't undermined the business model yet the fact that those servers were insecure due to operational cybersecurity blunder such as being vulnerable to a six-month-old vulnerability how on earth can anyone then claim that their data hadn't been plundered right yeah so i'm wondering slash hoping that this will make people think that paying up really isn't worth it because the entire if you like business prospect is undermined you can test whether the decryptor works. So generally, my understanding is most ransomware cooks make sure that their decryptors work because it's easy to see if they're leading you down the garden path if they sell you the thing and then it doesn't work. But you you can never really have any proof, positive proof, that they deleted the data they claimed. And lockbit suck. They can't be confident that someone else hasn't exploited the same flaw. That's that's what I mean. Right. Like they they were vulnerable. Who knows who else has got that data? It could have been going on for ages, couldn't it? Different vulnerabilities mean some other criminal gang has for ages been grabbing data from the Lockbit gang and doing whatever the heck they like with it. And this would not be the first time that crooks have gone to war with each other by poning each other's servers as a way of getting back at each other or, I guess, having what amounts to postpaid pen testing fun amongst themselves. So it looks as though the the sort of underlying business model of this whole pay to have your data deleted has been visibly undermined by this long disposition by lockbits up. Hey, don't worry, guys. I was just slack about this vulnerability for six months because I was too busy spending my money and enjoying myself now i'm re-energized i've now patched my servers and i've like made some modifications to php from an operational security point of view which is really really matters if you're trusting the person to delete your data and not have it stolen themselves why would anyone believe them in future he should really have sent an apology email, shouldn't he, to his clients, to all those corporate customers who've been Dear paying Dear customers, him. we take your security seriously. <laughs> now. <laughs> Carole, what have you got for us this week? 
I am going to look a bit at the dating world to start off with. Like, it just struck me. I was looking at it today and doing a bit of research on, like, what was the dating landscape in the last few years? How do people do it? And it's, like, completely different from when I was in the dating zone. I'm sure it's this. I mean, Graham, actually, you've been on it more recently than me. And I'm, yeah, you were on it about 1978, weren't you? I think <laughs> you probably haven't been on it for a while. So. Yeah, I was still a toddler. That's right. But so I was looking at this research and maybe... For a guy with marmalade issues, Graham, you're quite gobby today. (laughs) (laughs) He's in a bad mood. Can you tell? Yes. Yes, he's speaking. (laughs) So maybe maybe there's no surprise that um, of the respondents in this research uh, that Forbes summarised, right, half the respondents use online dating apps to find dates. But then stuff got weird. So, like, overall, respondents were more concerned with emotional cheating than physical cheating. And I was like, I don't really, I didn't really understand what that meant. And it means, like, if you're, you're cheating, (laughs) you're fantasizing about another person in a romantic way. So, so basically mind control. No? What, what, What do you mean mind? How's it mind control? I don't understand. Like, my partner gets mad at me going, were you just thinking about Jeff Goldblum? Were you? Did he have a shirt on? <laughs> Did he? Well, it's over. You're cheating. No, Crow, Crow. there's a difference between you fantasizing about Jeff Goldblum, who you've never met and are unlikely to ever have a, you know, go swinging with or something, or... He unleashed the world's most famous virus, didn't he, Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> who, who he did. Mac yes, virus not... as well. Who says Macs don't get viruses, eh? <laughs> Who claims aliens don't use Max? That was a lucky guess on his part, wasn't it? But, Crow, if you were if you were fantasising about Alan in the office who you sometimes go to play badminton with, then your partner would be right to be concerned, I think. Well, I wouldn't be telling them, presumably. Anyway, I found that, you know, I think physical cheating might be a bigger deal, personally, right? So apparently... That yes, but there's, there's gradients. Having sex with someone who's not your partner is a close fourth. That was the first thing on their list, was fantasizing about someone. Maybe the deal is that many people who use dating sites never end up meeting up with the person because they're on the other side of the world. So actually all they've got is the emotional side. And we know that 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 can draw people in very deeply, even when they're deeply suspicious that they're being scammed, which is why romance scams are such a often such a terribly long game thing that you just feel so sorry for the people who get drawn in. I would be upset if if I were a woman whose partner was on Ashley Madison chatting up someone for months and months on end. Not only that they're emotionally committing to this person, but also that the person they're probably chatting to is a bot anyway, who isn't a real person. So it's like you're stupid <laughs> and you're emotionally cheating on me. And you're sharing your data with an organisation that doesn't have has, has a non-stellar reputation when it comes to cybersecurity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, look, I just think after looking at all this stuff, I just thought I don't blame anyone for thinking like "f this." People are nuts, and I'm going to just go fully digital. And why not? Right? The generative AI world exploded like an unsettled stomach more than a year ago, and now we were awash with all manner of AI, including love AI. Your metaphor took me by surprise there. I was confused by digital, to be honest. 
I thought I had a different image in my head. But anyway, okay, so we're talking computers. No, it was the, it was the other word beginning with D that washed me away. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Some of you longtime listeners might remember that I spoke about Replica AI, um, I think twice last year. Replica AI is one of the many online chat box that you effectively train to be your love interest through texting and sending pics and sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. Like, so you might kind of go, oh, that is not weird <laughs> at all. You might go like, oh, I really love chess and I really love Doctor Who, but I hate everything else. Hubba I'm hubba. beginning to understand your exploding stomach metaphor a bit better now. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, that's that's peculiar, if nothing else. So I actually downloaded this replica AI, right? To play around with it. And honestly, it was, well, you might remember I said this on the show a year ago, um, but I lost interest very quickly because it just okay. didn't work. It just had no conversational ability whatsoever. It just kept going, what's your favorite movie? Do you like the color red? Independence Day. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> you know, um, so I lost interest in even uh, for even research purposes. But thank God we have organizations like Mozilla's Privacy Not Included. Now, Privacy Not Included, link in the show notes, is a website dedicated to reviewing all matter of smart paraphernalia and exposes the bits hidden deep in the privacy notices. So we've talked about them before yeah. as well. I was thinking about that when you were saying if you know if someone gets sucked into this and they keep telling them more and more and more to try and train this bot to be uh -huh. more like what they want to be, like eventually you're kind of going to tell them everything, aren't you? That is a very interesting point, Duck, and a scary one, right? So that's the kind of thing that privacy not included will ask. Like they're just going to see, like, what data are they taking from you, and is your privacy safe? And the point is to help us uh, make better choices when it comes to buying smart tech. So these people released some findings earlier this month on a smattering of romantic AI chatbots. Now, I'm guessing, well, I don't want to guess. Do you boys think that they found Ooh. the purveyors of AI romantic chatbots were privacy forward thinkers securing their romantic AI services for the paying customer? Yes, yes. I expect <laughs> they found that they were all performing perfectly top notch five stars and look at looking after privacy and and it's great that we have such a good news story <laughs> on the smashing security podcast would you be surprised <laughs> to find out that privacy not included found that all 11 romantic ai chat box assessed had privacy issues making them among the worst products reviewed for privacy by the club huh would you be surprised to find out that these AI <laughs> chatbots are deliberately designed to collect sensitive personal information under the guise of being empathetic friends or romantic partners? <laughs> no. Shame on you, Carol. That, that can't possibly be happening. No, but think about it, right? You're sitting there, Clue, right? You're sitting there wooing yes. a bot with yes. your Zhuzhuang talk. Is that how you say it? Zhuzhuang? Zugzwang, Zugzwang, yes, yes, Zugzwang, yeah, and and uh, my Maroxi bind, yeah, another good chess maneuver. <laughs> yeah, you share all your fantasy moves and fantasy <laughs> games with the fantasy players to the AI chatbot. Hit the board over in a fit of rage. That's also a chess ending. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them all about your lucky underpants. Um, you know, would you be a reasonable person to assume that this dirty chess talk is just between you and your AI darling? 
it would be nice to think it were, but I, I suspect you're going to say that it isn't. And I bet you, th- as you said, they're collecting location information, all sorts of other yeah. stuff as much as they can as well, right? Because that helps you be more more empathetic. Uh-huh. Because when well, you said X when you're at location Y, but you said A when you're at location B, it's important to know all this stuff, folks. So I can imagine people being lured into turning all the share with us options on. Exactly. So they market themselves as an empathetic friend, lover, soulmate, but are built to ask you endless questions. They're designed to collect sensitive personal information about you. A numbers from the research, chatbots collected excessive personal data with an average of 2,663 trackers per minute and up to 24,354 trackers detected in one minute of use. That's a lot of tracking. That does sound and I bet you once people think they can trust this bot, and we know that's an issue because going right back to what was it, the 60s or the early 70s with Eliza, mm. you know, which was the first simple chat bot, people really got drawn into that and they knew it was a program, but they still like talking to it because oh, yeah. it was a way of to course. unburden. You can imagine that people aren't just going to be talking about their romantic wishes or their fantasies. They're going to be moaning about things in their life like, oh, I had my credit card blocked the other day and I got, I got into a big argument at the bank and I'm thinking of switching and oh, I owe the I owe the utility company money and I won't be able to pay it. You can imagine they're probably giving away all sorts of details. Yeah. If you're a cyber criminal or an identity thief or another scammer who wanted to come in with a human scam, you would be off to such a flying start. Well, to your point earlier, Duck, um, they are hiding uh, their, in the T's and C's, they hide their CYAs, right? Which means cover your bottoms. And one reads that they may collect excessive personal data, even health-related information from you, like your sexual health information, use of prescribed medicine, and gender-affirming care information. Fun! So, so are people telling their AI chatbots that they're taking heart medication? Or they're just... Sure! <laughs> I did, they would go, hi, honey, poochie, poo-poo... Oh, I've got such a hangover today. I was at such and such a club. I spent $400 I couldn't afford. You know, just... I had. A, I sucked back four bottles of Baileys. Not feeling great today. Wow. You know? Now, a big issue is that some users want to use these chatbots to maybe help with their mental health. Maybe they're feeling lonely. Mm. Maybe they're anxious. And many are peddling, many of these... AI chat bots, these romantic versions, are peddling the message uh, that it's a self-help program. So that's what Talkie Soul AI calls itself, a self-help program. Eva AI chat and bot soulmate bills itself as a provider of software and content developed to improve your mood and well-being. So they're actively urging you to say more than you reasonably would. Yes. And romantic AI chat box says, here to maintain your mental health. But look at Romantic AI's T's and C's, and it says Romantic AI makes no claims, representation, warranties, or guarantees that the service provide a therapeutic, medical, or other professional help. You would think that the people behind them by now have thought, I wonder how we could make some more money. I wonder if we could sort of integrate into the conversation some advertising. So say, oh, that sounds terrible. Maybe you should go out to the disco tonight. I hear there's a good one just on the road. (laughs) Yes. Or worse. Yes, Minority Report does dating. (laughs) 
But there are some serious examples of harm. So one of Chai's, that's another romantic AI chatbot, reportedly encouraged a man to end his own life. He did. A replica AI chatbot encouraged a man to try and assassinate the queen. He did, or tried to. Yeah, I was going to say, crikey, that's... Missed that story. (laughs) They hushed that up well. (laughs) No, I know what you mean. (laughs) Now that these uh, AI chatbot butts are covered by all their legalese, these romantic AI chatbots can let their chatbots ask any question, right? The chatbot can ask anything and hoover up all the answers the customers give, all in the name of providing love, AI styly. Be aware before you share. Yeah. Yeah. The old rules work the best. I can totally see the draw. Um, my experience it was a year ago, but it was pretty poor. Um, but go check out Privacy Not Included, see what they say, and make your own mind up. But uh, don't go in with your eyes closed and your, yeah, anything else open. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> With Silence AI, the team at BlackBerry are helping you keep one step ahead, stopping more attacks earlier and with less effort than other solutions in the market, and that's independently tested and proven. The lightweight AI offers broad coverage, consistently low false positives, and quick threat responses, supporting endpoints seamlessly. Now, many solutions boast about how little time it took them to respond after a threat emerged, but with BlackBerry's Silence AI, you'll find out how long before, and it can be months or years, it has already protected its customers. Staying one step ahead is central to everything BlackBerry does. And in fact, it's your 24 by 7 AI-driven security partner. So visit smashingsecurity.com slash BlackBerry to find out more. And thanks to them for supporting the show. You've probably heard us talk about Collide before, but did you know Collide was just acquired by 1Password? Well, that's pretty big news since these two companies are leading the industry in creating security solutions that put users first. For over a year, Collide Device Trust has helped companies with Okta ensure that only known and secure devices can access their data. And that's what they're still doing, but now as part of 1Password. So if you've got Okta and you've been meaning to check out Collide, now's a great time. Collide comes with a library of pre-built device posture checks, and you can write your own custom checks for just about anything you can think of. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Now that Collide is part of 1Password, it's only going to get better. Check it out at collide.com slash smashing to learn more and watch the demo today. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash smashing. And thanks to them for supporting the show. Smashing Security is also sponsored by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program. Quickly access risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. 
you can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. Smashing security listeners, you get 20% off Vanta. All you lucky sausages have to do is visit vanta.com slash smashing to claim your discount. That's V as in Victor, A-N-T-A dot com slash smashing. And thanks to Vanta for sponsoring the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Duck. Pick of the Week. I always forget that bit. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses to send the like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. I do a lot of public speaking, but increasingly, people say, well, no, we don't want to see you in public, actually. We don't want you showing up. Instead, can you do it down a Zoom call or Microsoft Teams or Google Meet? Can you do it down a... A camera instead, which is great for me because I don't have to put any trousers on. Um, but um, so I, I'm doing a lot of talks online. And sometimes, you know, they say, oh, can you just talk for an hour? Which, and I'll be honest with you, I find it a bit tricky because it's much easier when you have the you know, have the roar of the crowd, the smell of the grease paint, when you can see the horror in the audience's eyes as you start to tell a story. Um, it's good to have some feedback. So it's a little bit hard just talking straight down the camera. Graham. Yes. What would you find more difficult, talking for an hour or listening for an hour? I rest my case. <laughs> well, my pick of the week this week is something which makes it easier for me to talk online, down a camera, and hopefully appear slightly professional. It- it's not a romantic chat bot, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> a fake audience. <laughs> It can be easy to forget some detail of your talk or where you are or, you know, you don't want to be looking at your notes. So I use a piece of software sometimes called Prompt Smart. And this is a tool which you can run on your computer or on your phone. I use it on my computer. And it's basically like a teleprompter. So you can put in your notes. You can have what you want to say if you're recording something, and it will scroll up the screen. And what's really clever about it is the voice recognition, which is built into it. So it isn't going up at a set speed. It's listening to what I say, and it scrolls at my speed. So it will be as quick as I choose it to be. So as your talk goes on, the CPU starts overheating as it's frantically trying to keep (laughs) up, and then eventually, like your wireless toaster, it all explodes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and his paper clips what, what are really, setting his documents on fire what i really like about prompt smart is that it the voice recognition works so well that if you go off script which i am prone to doing you know i think oh i'll just tell this story as well i'll tell this anecdote it will wait and it will wait until i come back or it will catch up it doesn't require me to say every word it will, you know, it will jump to wherever I am. It will work out what, where I am. It doesn't start yelling at you, does not compute. I don't understand. You're yeah. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. Anyway, it works really nicely. Does it, have a, does it have a little tick box that you can turn on that is cough <laughs> mode? So that if you're way off script, it goes, <clears throat> 
and oh, sorry, folks, and <laughs> guide you gently back. <laughs> anyway, my pick of the week this week is Prompt Smart. Thank you very much. <laughs> Duck, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is a museum exhibit that is perhaps, at least in theory, one of the simplest you can imagine at the Natural History Museum in Oxford, which is a great place to visit. Mm -hmm. Free entry, yes. gorgeous Victorian Gothic building um, built at the, in the late 19th century, just opposite Keeble College. Mm -hmm. And this is an exhibit that it very much goes about around 32 bits or two to the power of 32, but it's not a techie thing. Basically, the atrium of the, the main gallery of the museum is just short of 40 meters across. That's where they've got the Iguanodon skeleton and the T-Rex skeleton and all the cool mm -hmm. stuff. But if you go up into the coffee shop on the, on the, at the sort of portico on one side on the first floor and you look across those, it's, it's just under 40 meters. Well, that just happens to be one divided by two to the 32 times as far as it is from the earth to the sun. So it's basically <laughs> one four billionth of the scale of the distance from the Earth to the Sun across the museum. So what they have done on one on the far side of the museum, they have a gilt sphere, like a brass sphere that is about uh, 350 millimeters across, which is one four billionth the diameter of the Sun. Cool. And then on the near side, just in front of you, is the most exquisitely painted one over two to the power 32 scale model of the earth which comes in at just over three millimeters in diameter on a little pin with with the continents painted on beautifully <laughs> and then on a little circle around it on another pin is a scale model of the moon which is about one millimeter across the scale and it's amazing how in amongst all the interactive <laughs> exhibits and the super high-res screens and the carefully restored giant dinosaur skeletons, which are real, you know, massive deal to maintain. This mm. this tiny, simple model, it's just amazing. If you if you just stand around near there and watch people, sometimes they go up there and work and sit and work. It, it just it it and people go, wow, that's amazing. And it really gives you this amazing sense of scale. And I didn't realize until I looked it up that the scale was also one in two to the power 32, more or less. And it's just fascinating how you can get an idea of the scale of cool. just our part of the galaxy just by looking at these these three balls, one millimeter, 3.2 millimeters, 350 millimeters, and think, gosh, the sun's a lot bigger than he probably thought <laughs> at 1.4 million kilometers in diameter. Very cool. Very cool. Very Interesting cool. Interesting pick of the week. Carol, what's your pick of the week? Well, I was a little stuck this week. I don't know. We do a lot of pick of the weeks. You know, guests get to come on and, you know, have a few in their pocket, for, you know, but like we have to do it every week, Clue. So, uh, tiny violins are sounding. <laughs> well, I didn't, I had a lot of work on last week, right? And then I twisted my ankle or rolled it or whatever. The cellos are joining. So I had to cancel lo loads of stuff, right? Which stressed me out and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and I was thinking, why did I roll my ankle, right? Because I was probably wasn't paying attention. I was probably either thinking about something or planning ahead or, right? I wasn't like in the moment. I wasn't walking and, I don't know, paying attention, one foot, <laughs> left foot, right, right foot. I think that's what I need to do. It's amazing how tiny the deviation you need to do that, though, isn't it? <sighs> it's like yeah. annoyingly easy to do. Yeah, and, and kind of frustrating. Anyway, so among other things um, that I was thinking, what can I do to try and maintain that? Is I downloaded or I heard about this app called Lotus Bug. And there's no tracking that I can see. It's free for iOS and I think maybe elsewhere. But basically, it's one of those beautiful, simple apps that does only one thing. It just puts like a this kind of chimey bell occasionally throughout the day, right? It just goes bong. Right. And it just means basically the way I read it, Graham, is calm the fuck down, basically. Right? That's the that's the sound. <laughs> so it just occasionally goes bong. Couldn't you just listen out for a nearby church clock? There are quite a lot of those in the Ox area. Because then you get one, then two, then three, then four, then five, and six <laughs> as the day goes on. <laughs> it's just a random bell. So just the bong, the bong calms you down, Crow. If you needed to be calmed down more, couldn't you have a, a fire alarm going off? Those or words did not come out as I think you expected, Graham. <laughs> the bong calming them down. <laughs> so it has this little bell sound, and I don't know, I think it's good. So if you're finding yourself out to be a little bit stressed, Graham right? And a little grumpy because you have a lot of things on and you're trying to balance everything and everyone's frustrating you. Maybe Lotus Bug is for someone like you. And that is my pick of the week. What the f*** are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe you could persuade the prompt smart guys to build it into the app. <laughs> so if it sees you've gone off script, you just get <laughs> bong, like a little calming gong thing. So is that all? Just one, one yeah, and it might say, remember to breathe, you know, important important life-saving stuff like that. One dong at a time. That didn't come out right either, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Carol, what's the name of the app again? It's called Lotus Bug, and it's my pick of the week. That just about wraps up the show for this week. Duck, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out what you're up to. What's the best way for folks to do that? The best way to do that is to go to pducklin.com or if you can remember my full name paulducklin.com will take you to the same place and that's without a g isn't it duckling without a g it is indeed and you can follow us on twitter at smash insecurity we also don't have a g twitter and last have a g and we have a mastodon account too and don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode follow smash insecurity in your favorite podcast app such as apple Podcasts, spotify and overcast and massive thank you to our episode sponsors, BlackBerry, Collide, and Vanta, and to our wonderful Patreon community. Thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship info, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 360 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. bit of bong in your life. Little, little bell. A bit, bit. little bell. Just to remind you to chill out. Why? You seem to think I'm stressed. Yes. It's funny. Most people who are stressed don't realise they give stress vibes out. Yeah, you might not be stressed. Maybe it's everyone else is stressed on your, on your account. Yeah. Everyone around Maybe me. Maybe that's how it works.
Yes, they're worried about me. Maybe that's the anxiety. Just saying. Thank you very much, Duck. Thank you for having me. It's great fun as always. Thank you, Duck. You're lovely. Thank you. Cheers. I've got to go, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.